This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. Here again is Dan Loney. Welcome back. Hour number two of Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. Italy has itself a new president. He is Luigi Di Maio of the anti-establishment five-star movement. He was sworn in recently along with his governing partners, Giuseppe Conti, Giancarlo Giorgetti, and Matteo Salvini. And these elections could very well spark more issues between Italy and its European brethren. To discuss what occurred, we are joined on the phone by Eric Jones, professor of European studies and international political economy at Johns Hopkins University. He's also director of the European and Eurasian Studies program there. Eric, great to catch up with you again. Great to be here, Dan. Thank you. So give us your uh, your thoughts and your reactions to uh, what we saw. Well, I mean, <clears throat> the elections took place on the 4th of March, and it took a very long time for the government to be formed. For the last week, it didn't look as though that was going to happen yeah. at all. And then we got the prime minister. Now, the prime minister uh, is, is Giuseppe Conte, and, and we also have Luigi Di Maio, who's the Minister of Labor. He's the head of the Five Star Movement. And, and Matteo Salvini, he, he's the Minister of the Interior. He's the head of the Lega. Um, but they're the two most powerful people in the government. Even though neither of them is Prime Minister, uh, because they run the two parties that make up the coalition, they're going to actually drive the policy process. And this is a big change in in what's been going on in Italian politics because neither of these parties has been the leading party of government before and the five-star movement has never been in government before this. And and the fact that these two parties are coming together, I guess, is an interesting partnership as well. It is an interesting partnership. I mean, the the five-star movement is a a kind of a mixed bag anti-establishment party that spans the left and the right. But the Lega is a much more... A consistent and coherent radical right-wing party uh, with a clear agenda for promoting the regional interests of the north of the country. So we've got two different kinds of populism and two different kinds of political organization all come together at once. Eric Jones joins us from Johns Hopkins University. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Now, the the the, the platforms that, uh, that have been really played on in this election process was uh, anti-immigrant. And it seems like... This new uh, formed government is going to be looking to to kind of take that approach, correct? Well, the the, the, the Lega definitely had an anti-immigrant platform, and that's why the the guy who is going to run the Interior Ministry and be responsible for migration policy is Matteo Savini, the Lega leader. And, and his first moves have already indicated that he's going to take a much tougher stand on new arrivals. He's going to try to repatriate as many people as he can. He says up to 500,000, and he's going to accelerate the process with which Italy reviews its asylum seekers, among many other changes that are going to toughen the rules that keep people in the country. And part of this is the kind of this nationalist uh, push that we have uh, been seeing uh, in various locations across Europe and, and to a degree here in the United States, correct? 
I think that's right. I think that's right. I mean, I'm, the, the, the nationalist moniker may not work as well as a sovereigntist okay. moniker. And it's interesting that, that Steve Bannon actually came over over the weekend to Italy to, to sort of celebrate this new government because Steve Bannon, much as he supported uh, the formation of the Trump administration, he is very eager to see the sovereigntist push in Italy as well. What is the uh, you mentioned about obviously uh, the, the the changes that we're going to see uh, f- uh, towards uh, immigrants and, and and tightening up the borders? But from an economic perspective, Italy still has a lot of issues that it has to deal with, and it needs to build out more jobs. It needs to have a stronger economy. How is this new form government? How do they believe they're going to be able to do that? Well, that's where we shift from the Lega over to the Five Star Movement. The Five Star Movement leader, Luigi Di Maio, has taken over the Ministry of Labor, and his policy is much more of a coherent left-wing policy. He wants to introduce a minimum wage for all jobs that are not covered by collective bargaining. He wants to introduce a basic minimum income for people in long-term unemployment or who are unable to find work. And he wants to push as hard as he can to get as many people into the labor force as possible. Now, whether he's going to accomplish all these things remains to be seen. We're talking with Eric Jones of uh, Johns Hopkins University. Again, your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. What does this mean for the European Union, at least right now? I don't think there's any concern of of, of Italy wanting to go the, the route of the U.K. with Brexit. Uh, but it, this probably wasn't the the outcome that I think uh, a lot of people in the EU were looking for, correct? Well, that's right. And the reaction in Northern Europe has been actually fairly disappointing, at least from an Italian perspective. You see, the Northern Europeans look at this and they say, okay, the the tough immigration policy is not a good thing, but paired with that on the Lega side, there's a huge drive for tax reduction and the simplification of the tax code, a lot like you see in the Trump administration. And then on the five-star movement side, there's all this increase in social benefits. And they say, how is Italy going to afford this? And that becomes a problem when you consider the huge amount of debt that Italy has, about 130% of its annual output in public debt that it has to find some way to bring down and nobody can figure out how the math is going to square so the northern europeans are looking at italy right now and saying this is a very irresponsible move for them to make yeah because i mean with all of the debt that they are dealing with i don't i don't know there if there is an easy formula to be able to do this correct i mean they've been dealing with this now for a couple of years at this point <laughs> they've been they've been wrestling well, with this debt yeah, for a long time a lot time longer than that to- yeah <laughs> and they have uh, they have actually made considerable progress. You know, unfortunately, the economic and financial crisis set them back in many respects. But they have made progress in stabilizing the debt and beginning to bring back bring it back down into the last government. And the question is whether this government is going to blow out the budget all over again. And if you look at the promises that were made by these two very different political parties and try to add them up into a single government program, <laughs> it's almost impossible to see how they're going to pay for it. I mean, that is interesting because of the fact that that these two parties do have, on certain issues, very stark views on how to get things done. That's correct. And they they, they have very anti-establishment views, but, yeah. but very different forms of anti-establishment views. 
And the, the, the guys in the Lega are actually former allies of Silvio Berlusconi, the old conservative leader who used to be the populist yeah. in the early 1990s. The guys in the Five Star Movement actually hate Silvio Berlusconi and everything that that kind of business class represents. So there's a lot of antagonism on that level as well. Well, and wasn't there the possibility of Berlusconi maybe, maybe showing his head again uh, in, in Italian government at some point? Well, he was cleared by, by the courts. This probably requires explanation. Uh, he'd been convicted under a fraud charge, and because he'd been convicted, he was barred from holding public office. But he was finally cleared by the Italian courts to, to run for public office again just a few weeks ago. And so if Italy had gone back to early elections, um, then, then Berlusconi would have had a chance to run, and that was also a consideration both on the Five Star Movement side and on the Lega side, because even though the Lega was allies with Berlusconi, they're doing quite well taking away Berlusconi's voters as long as they can they can keep Berlusconi away from the campaign trail. Seemingly, a lot of the reaction, no surprise, with this new form government is not very positive. Uh, but it sounds like, at least with some of the people, of the citizens of Italy, that there is an acceptance of this because of that anti-establishment, anti-EU approach uh, that that uh, you know that these parties are, or I should say, these parties had really uh, pushed for quite some time. There is, there is, and and a lot of it has to do with the length of the economic recession in this country. But about sixty percent of the electorate now is behind either the Five Star Movement or the Lega, and it's evenly divided. So even though in March. The five-star movement got about 32% of the vote, and the Lega only 17. If you were to poll the people right now, they each at about 30, and that means that a vast majority of the electorate actually supports the formation of this government. What is this? What is this going to mean? Uh, let's let's look at it from two perspectives: short term and long term. How is this going to impact Italy and some of the decisions that they would like to make moving forward uh, economically to continue to build? Well, in the very short term, the formation of this government is actually coming as an economic relief. The markets turned on Italy last Tuesday when it looked like this government wasn't going to be able to be formed. And when the president tried to bring a technocratic government, a government of experts, uh, to govern the country for a short caretaker period of time. And, And the turmoil in the markets was so extensive that it galvanized political action and led to this government coming into being. But now that the government's here, everything is calm again. And that's because we know we're going to get through the end of the summer without there being a massive disruption. Come autumn, though, the government has to write a budget that explains exactly how it's going to pay for everything. And that's when we expect the real fireworks, because when these two parties start to have to describe and fund their priorities, uh, we're going to see the real differences between them. Eric Jones of Johns Hopkins University joining us. He's a professor of European Studies and International Political Economy, also director of the European and Eurasian Studies Program there at that school. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. So in the short term, for people that have have recently within the last year or two gone into Italy from other locations, the immigrant rush that we have talked about in the past, what is it going to mean for them? Well, I think in the, in the short term, they're going to be very apprehensive because they're going to be lots of changes in the way these immigrants are treated when they arrive, in the way they're housed after they get here, and in the way they're processed. 
And so the expectation is a lot of those people who've migrated into Italy are going to try to leak out into other parts of the European Union. And so you'll see some strengthening along the borders to the north of Italy in order to keep these people in place. And the tensions are really going to flare up, I suspect, if there's another surge of migrants coming across the Mediterranean in the meantime over the summer. Well, and, and I guess it was Salvini that, that had mentioned, uh, I guess he had gone to the northern part of Italy uh, over the weekend uh, and talked about cutting the budget. And in terms specifically of the funds that really have been set aside for uh, for supporting immigrants, he, he went over and made a very strong statement on that over the weekend. That's right. I mean, Salvini has been campaigning on the what he considers to be the excessive cost of these migrants uh, for two different reasons. First, he wants to generate a lot of support for the repatriation. Remember that 500,000 number I mentioned? He keeps throwing that number out there as though he's going to empty the country. Right. But the other thing is, is that a lot of the way that migrants are hosted is in private facilities that are funded with state resources. And what Salvini wants to do is to take away those private facilities and replace them with public facilities instead, Instead, because he argues the private facilities are just an opportunity for people to steal money away from the state without actually taking care of the migrants. And so he's doing it as an anti-corruption thing as well as an anti-migrant thing. The, the reaction of the EU is obviously not really a surprise uh, Jean-Claude Juncker, who is uh, president of the European Commission, uh, called it, uh, you know, is about as disastrous as could be imagined. And, and that's a pretty that's a pretty strong statement, Eric, to come out like that. Yeah, it's not very helpful, to be perfectly honest. I mean, the, 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 you, you mentioned earlier, Dan, that that there's no real threat of a Brexit like scenario in Italy. And I think that's true. But but attitudes in Italy toward the European Union have been declining precisely because of that type of rhetoric. And we've seen it with Goethe Oettinger, uh, who's, who's the budget commissioner at the European Commission, and we yeah. see it with Jean-Claude Juncker. And the more people keep saying bad things about Italy when Italians are expressing their democratic preference, uh, the more the Italians think this European game is not, not actually in their interest. But And that's not to say that, that down the road, if – this government, uh, you know, starts to get the affairs of Italy in order because of some of those reactions. It, it, I guess it could be an option down the road, but I think that would be well down the road at this point. That would be well down the road. And, and it, it, it assumes, of course, that we can get through this tumultuous autumn. But if we get through this autumn and if this government, as you say, manages to, to shape its priorities and negotiate an agreement between these two very different political parties that are its constituents, um, then, then it could be quite a powerful force going into 2019. And let's not forget, in 2019, we're going to have European elections yeah. where the five-star movement and the, the Lega could perform very well and in doing so reshape, in many ways, the European Parliament. Eric Jones from Johns Hopkins University joining us on the phone. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Take us back, because we had talked about this in the past. Because of the fact that they were talking about putting in at least a short-term government, if this type of an arrangement wasn't able to be worked out, what would the impact have been? I mean, we talked about the market side, but what would the impact have been on Italy, on that country's economy, if a short-term government had been put in place? 
Well, if the markets had continued to move against Italy the way they did last Tuesday, the impact would have been very negative because the ratings agencies were looking at Italy and worrying about the impact of rising interest rates on the solvency of the government, whether it could actually manage this mountain of debt it has to deal with. And if the rating agencies downgrade the Italian government, that downgrades the rest of the economy as well and makes borrowing costs higher for everyone. And as I mentioned, they're trying to get out of a very long recession right now. They still have about 11 percent unemployment and higher interest rates is not going to help them in that project. Do you have confidence that that this government has the the ability to be able to to try and keep this path going in terms of reducing the uh, the unemployment rate and, and at least keeping it on a path that it's been going uh, over the last uh, year or two? Or is that not even a, a, a fair es- estimation at this point? Well, it's difficult to say, Dan. I mean, the, the, the part of the problem is that if the Lega gets its tax reforms and reduces the tax burden on Italian companies, you could actually see an increase in investment. So you would get an effect like we got with the Trump administration, where everybody predicted beforehand that it was going to go very badly, and it turned out to be quite good for the economy. So I wouldn't rule that out as a possibility. Nevertheless, the the combination of spending programs from the five-star movement and the Lega makes it a little bit harder to imagine that they're going to navigate that path as successfully, at least in the short to medium term. If they get through the autumn, though, we may see a very different pattern of influence on the economy. And it may be positive. Who's to say at this point? But again, you know, to be able to do the tax reform would would have a benefit, most likely. Uh, but how much of a benefit? Would it be, you know, a significant change in your mind? Or, you know, would it be just a, you know, a small step in the process? Well, the tax reform that you're talking about is very revolutionary. They're yeah. talking about taking yeah. one of Europe's highest tax rates and moving it down to a, a two-stage, almost flat tax that's got a high level at 20% and a low level at yeah. 15%, and that's it. If they were able to do that, that would liberate a lot of resources for Italian companies. Whether they would use that for investment, again, remains to be seen, but, but, but certainly the prospect of paying lower taxes and having a more efficient tax burden uh, is something that a lot of companies are interested in. Eric Jones from Johns Hopkins University joining us, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. The tax issue, Eric, is obviously one thing, but from the overall economy, unemployment needs to obviously come down. But what are the building blocks that, that Italy has within its within its economy right now that they can really take advantage of to build out. I mean, obviously investment is a, is a is a huge possible benefit that they could see, but where is the base right now? Where are the benefits right now that they can build off of? So, but the, the interesting thing about the Italian economy, Dan, is that it's actually two or three different countries glued together. Yep. And the northern part of Italy is actually one of the wealthiest parts of Europe with one of the most productive industrial sectors. And that happens to be where the Lega has its stronghold. Now, that industrial economy is quite capable of moving forward and creating lots of jobs. Not enough to absorb all the unemployment in the south, though. And in the southern part of the economy, they've got some big, giant cathedrals in the sand, these these enormous industries that are not very profitable. 
and, and, and they make things that, that Italy is never going to do particularly well, and I don't mean that in a cruel way, but, but they're wrestling over whether to try to save these industries or whether they're trying to wrap them up. And if they wrap them up, that could throw thousands of people out of work. So you could have more unemployment in the South and greater dynamism in the North. And they're trying to figure out how to balance those two things. Like what what are some of those industries that are in the South right now? There's a giant steel and aluminum manufacturer that's located just in the South in, in Bouya. And the unfortunate thing about this is that they're trying to sell this firm to ArcelorMittal, uh, which is the yep. large Indian steel company. They're trying to sell it to ArcelorMittal, but, but they're not quite sure, even if they do, that it will, A, stop polluting the local environment, which the Five Star Movement uh, believes is completely irresponsible, or, or B, maintain any kind of a profitable industry or whether it's just going to become a money pit. So they're trying to figure out if they can save this firm or if they get rid of it. If they get rid of it, it's going to throw 20,000 people out of work. And so it's a major source of employment in the Toronto area and in Puglia. What other economies really are, are, are focal now in the South that they, that they need to look at and, and look and see if they can save? Well, the firms that they're looking at, the other big firm, alas, uh, is Alitalia. Alitalia is not specifically yeah. a Southern firm. Uh, but as an airline, it represents a major economic interest in the country. And it's also a huge money pit as well. And they haven't figured out either how to sell this firm on uh, or how to save it. And as they try to wrestle with that, we're going to get a good sense of where the Italian economy is going. But, but, but it's not clear that they actually have the knowledge within the governing coalition at the moment. And it doesn't mean that they can't bring the experts in at some point later on. But it's not clear that they have the knowledge in the governing coalition at the moment uh, to, to drive an industrial policy that can make that part of Italy work. Uh, and indeed, they haven't identified a minister who's going to be explicitly responsible for that either. So, so we, have to, we have to look very carefully at how both the industrialization of the South and the industrialization of Italy writ large uh, is handled. And, and I guess you can't, I mean, you obviously can't deal one deal with one without the other. Uh, and, you know, they are all, even though you say they're three different uh, kind of sections of, of Italy right now, you do have to kind of factor all three of them in together and, and so that you can build out the type of economy that you want to have for the next hundred years. That's right. In, in part of Factoring them all three together is building a set of efficient labor market institutions so that people yep. can get jobs and move jobs. And this is what, you know, the unfortunate comments that were made by Jean-Claude Juncker were actually directed at. Juncker and another number of other North Europeans have been saying Italy needs to build out its labor market institutions and to reform its welfare state institutions so that the economy as a whole works more efficiently and the efficiency is not just concentrated in the north. There's a lot of truth to that, but a lot of progress has been made in the previous three governments. It's just an open question whether this government is going to build on that progress or reverse some of the important reforms that were introduced. So some very, very important decisions to come in the next few months for, for this new uh, formed government. Absolutely, absolutely, particularly regarding pensions and labor markets. Yeah. Eric, great to catch up with you again. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Dan. It was great talking to you. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.